this this time. Father, we we thank you that death was arrested so that our lives could begin through your son's life. We come before you and ask that you would guide us through all that we have before us, through all that we're in the midst of, and all that we don't even know about that's coming our way. We ask your Holy Spirit to just pour into this place of each person here. And I ask that it would pour into my words today, that I would be faithful to the message you have me proclaim. We're going to talk about holding steady this morning. Sometimes life is to be a challenge, sometimes life is to be too much, and then we get tired. We get tired really, really easy. And we have to sometimes depend on one another, which can be hard. If you've ever had to ask for help, it's humbling. It's easy to give it, almost, in comparison to asking for it. Um, today we're going to explore from Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. It's the story of Moses, Aaron, and Lord, and they have been in the wilderness. There's been complaints. There's been grumbling. They've been delivered from slavery. They're, they're on their way to the promised land, but they're still learning the lessons that God has for them. So let's read explore this passage of scripture. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Lord went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But when he even lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hor held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar. He called it, The Lord is my banner. For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Word of God for the people of God. What do you complain about most? For our students, it might be homework or tests. For us, it might be our feet at the end of a long work day. For others, it might be there's not enough money to go get through the end of the month. For others, it might be that, that there's not enough time. <clears throat> we, we complain about all sorts of things, traffic, the weather, you name it. 
But we stand with a God who's always there, protecting us, guiding us, and He puts people in our path to walk with us. There was a, um, a softball game a few years ago that was between Eckerd College and Florida Southern University. And it would be the end of one person's college career and an inspiring act of sportsmanship, all with one pitch. You see, sophomore Kara Oberer got up to bat in the top of the seventh inning, two outs. She had a three-run homer. They put the game by one run. But when she rounded the bases, her knee locked up. The rules were that if your team touched you, the homer would count for the other runners, but you had to swap. You had to freeze where you were, and somebody could come in and run for you. But you wouldn't get to cross the plate. Chelsea and another player named Leah on the other team immediately looked at each other. It wasn't their team, but they went over and picked up Kara, one on each side, and they carried her around the bases, and they showed what it means for us all to play on the same team, for everybody to do well. I was a softball player growing up, and um, I can tell you that's a remarkable thing to have happened. That's a remarkable thing to have encountered on the field of competition. We come um, to lots of fields of competition and we find ourselves sometimes um, not knowing quite what to do. We have things that compete for our interest and we have spiritual warfare that competes for our hearts every single day. But we're on a team and we're given brothers and sisters to stand by us and hold our arms up, regardless of what we face. The movie War Room, how many have seen it? It's a great movie. It depicts several families in several different situations. One facing a marriage that's beginning to fall apart. Another facing um, challenges in work and, and progressing to a higher level of skill and, and, and pay and all sorts of things. And there's a little lady, elderly in her years, who steps up and walks into the lives of these people. She tells them about her husband was an officer in the war, how they had a war room. She talks about how she took a closet in her home and she cleaned it out and made it a space where she could go and sit, where God could support her, where friends could come in and sit with her and, and, and just be there to comfort her and strengthen her and help her to, to remain steady in the midst of all that she would face as the wife of a soldier. And in that war room, she inspired others by the telling of her story. And the 
the wife whose marriage was in trouble, got rid of her designer clothes and put them in other places, and she she began to realize the things that were important. She sat down and she started making a list of the things that she wanted God to do. Have you ever made a list of the things that you want God to do? Make a file, and at the top just put TFJTD, things for Jesus to do. Put a note in there. I promise you, he'll read it. He'll not only read it, he will respond to it. Her daughter in this movie sees the war room her mom has, and so she makes a wall in her closet, and she makes prayers on her list that her mom doesn't even know she's asking for. One by one, the battle is won, and they're lifting each other up, not even knowing it. We lift our hands and worship God, but there are times when we get tired, and there are times when we get weary, and there are times when we just don't feel like coming in this place to worship, and that's when we need to be here the most. I took a trip, um, day trip, not long ago with a history class. We went down to Andersonville, Georgia. Anybody ever been there? A couple hands. Y'all, it's, it's amazing to be there. There's this massive field. It's somber. The, the teacher who was leading this group said, there's a peace here. I didn't feel that. He's been there many, many times. But it's a place where prisoners were brought, Union prisoners were brought during the Civil War. And it was made from maybe a couple of thousand. They had to expand the prison because they ended up with 45,000 Union soldiers there. Captain Henry Works was in charge. And when the rations no longer met the needs of the prisoners, oh well. So the prisoners starved. The prisoners were tortured, as you can imagine, through the starvation, through the disease, through the water that wasn't clean. And the horrors that come from there are told in markers around the grounds there. These are markers and monuments that were built by veterans who served there. They came back years later after the war was over. They came back and they built these monuments so that we would remember what happened there. So that we would know the atrocities of what one human being can do to another. And they came and they put messages of hope one of them, I believe it's the Wisconsin, it just says, let there be peace on earth. I began to build peace there as we stood by that monument. But the fascinating thing for me is that the studies that were done about Andersonville and who survived, because there were many, many challenges, had a lot to do with how they came into that prison. 
Not only was there starvation, they had to build their own structures, and it was made of tree limbs and pieces of cloth. It would rain, and, and y'all know gnats in South Georgia are just not the kindest thing to you. The summer there must have been horrible. They were, there was literally, our term deadline comes from Andersonville, because there was a fence around the camp that then housed like an alley within the stockade fences, and if you crossed into that space, you were killed. So as a prisoner, you knew what the boundaries were. Didn't matter about the overcrowding. Didn't matter about that. They called it the deadline. And if you went past it, you would be dead. The ones who survived had people who were saying, I know you're tired, but you don't want to go past that deadline. The ones who survived were the ones who came in in units where they had persons who were serving with them, who were standing by them, who kept them from caving in. Works had such tactics as standing before them and saying, if you will just betray your country, if you will come and fight on our side, if you will come and you will tell us about the battalions you served with, tell us about the units, tell us about the strategies, we'll give you a farm, we'll have your family come down, we'll give you food, we'll make sure you have success. And one by one, the regiments will call the formation and turn and leave for It was death before dishonor. But death could easily to those who didn't have someone standing with them. Not one person to tell. And I find that absolutely amazing. History teaches us so very much. I have found that um, in times of spiritual crisis, um, I don't do well when I try to take care of myself. Do y'all? And I have found that when I am facing something and, and God's asked me to do something and it's a long road ahead, I get tired. I can tell you that a, a, just a few months back, I just I, I had a day when the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back landed in my lap. And I just, I had enough. I was, I was just, I was just done. And I, and I looked at a friend and I said, and, and I hadn't said anything for weeks on end. And I looked at a couple of friends and I just said, I can't do this anymore. And they said, whoa, 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 what's going on? And I told them, they said, why have you shouldered this alone? Why, why are you trying to do this? You're not by yourself. You're not on your own. Let us help you. I can tell you they've been praying for me. I can tell you they have helped me get a renewed energy and a renewed strength. And I'm excited about things that are coming. Everybody faces that battle. It's why so many of our Bible studies focus on what's going on 
in life. It's why so many of our Bible studies help us to deal with the things that we face, help us to stand up as a father or a mother or a child who is honoring their parents, as a teacher, as a leader in the community, as a patient in the hospital. I read the story about a 10-year-old who was a it was playing in his little league and he um, was featured on Sports Center. His first name is Logan. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to do it for fear of insulting him. But he had been interviewed and Tim Tebow was talking to him and he said, Logan, are you afraid? Because they knew death was imminent. And he said, Are you kidding? I'm going to heaven. All these people taught me about heaven and I'm ready to go. I'm not the least bit afraid. I, I love that. We don't realize we're all holding our hands up trying to make sure that the battle is won. We come in here and we raise them easily some days and not so easily others. I've watched many times as people have come to these altars as they have knelt in prayer and as one or the other from different sections have gone and they have put a hand on their back or simply gotten close by them and prayed with them. What a gift. What an amazing, incredible gift. Prayer changes so much. Love changes so much. I wonder if the disciples, when they were asking who among them was the greatest, were also hearing the command of Christ to, to love one another as He's loved us. It's a balance. It's hard. Life isn't easy. I've seen it in families one after the other as I've had counsel and work with them. Where whether it's a, a disagreement between siblings or a disagreement between husband and wife, two very dear friends who just can't see eye to eye about something. It, it's, it's, it's been on my heart all week. We talked about this in midweek communion. I, I don't know what it is that's pulling at you. But whatever it is, you have brothers and sisters who are here to help you hold those hands up. And some of us are called to hold the hands up. Some of us are called to hold our hands up. And others are called to go and fight the battle while the hands are being held up so we can win. But God has claimed the victory. He's got us holding so steady that nothing what can separate us from the love of God? Anything? Y'all say that louder. Can anything separate us from the love of God? No! I have a couple of friends that I'm praying for right now. Because they're fighting God. And they're fighting Him tooth and nail to do things on their own. 
I'm going to go in just a minute and I'm going to kneel at this altar. And I'm going to be praying for them. They live in northwest Georgia. I'm not going to tell you their names, but just be in prayer for them. God will know who they are. I don't know what you have to come lay at this altar, but I encourage you to do it. Because when we lose our foundation and we get tired, we're not alone. Our arms aren't going to drop. God's going to send people to hold them up. And He may send us to go and hold up someone else's arms. <coughs> All of that goes into holding steady. Every single bit of it. We are never stronger than we are when we are.